Uh, oh, goodness. Let me see if I can. What is that? What do I do? Oops. Okay, cool. Uh, let's go to Romans. Um, Romans 8. You know, I'm on a spiritual high. I am so blessed. It's ridiculous. My faith right now is burning up. I feel like God is good. I feel like God is real. I've seen his power. I'm electrified. It's, I'm telling you. So tonight, it's kind of funny when I was thinking about this because the title of teaching tonight is We Are More Than Conquerors. We are more than conquerors. Now, I was thinking about that. I was like, we are more than conquerors. And I was thinking, do I feel like a conqueror? You know I do. (laughs) I so do. (laughs) You know, I was thinking about that because typically you go, you know, how about you guys? I mean, you don't have to tell me or anything, but... (laughs) But I'm saying, like, think about this. Like, there, it's not necessarily, there have been definitely many times in my life that I did not feel like even a little teeny bitty conqueror, <laughs> let alone more than a conqueror, right? So think about that as far as right now in, in just, uh, just in a contemplative kind of way. Like, do you feel in this moment in your life like you are more than a conqueror? Because that's what... That's what God says is available. And so what does that mean anyway? Like, think about that. What, is, what images come to your brain? Conqueror. Any, any, any shout-outs? Conqueror. What's, what in images does that bring up? Or It's what? Warrior? Explorer. Warrior. What? A knight. <laughs> Big sword. Napoleon. <laughs> Unstoppable. William Wallace. Okay. So if we think about it, does that, like, these are kind of things, like, do we think of ourselves that way? I don't, you know. I don't really think, for one, I I think I don't necessarily always think of myself. Those sound like like warrior and things like that. You know, I'm a girl, you know. Like swords, William Wallace. It's just, you know, I'm just like, hey, we're in modern times. What the heck could that mean now? But I want to take a look at what that means, and in this section of scripture, it ties in and, and bridges from what we talked about last week. But let me kind of read you the, the definition. Um, it's, it's a person who conquers, uh, a victor. And then the word conquer, so it's a person who conquers or a victor. And to conquer means to overcome. And it's, parenthetically, it says an enemy, army, etc., to defeat, to overcome, parenthetically, an obstacle feeling desire to surmount. And then number three is to gain possession or control of by or as if by force of war to win. So this is what we're going to be looking at tonight because that's God's desire for us. If you think about what is it that we want to overcome, you know, what are the things that we want, what are the obstacles, feelings, desires that we want to overcome, that we want to surmount, that we want to defeat? 
You know, there's some things in our lives, aren't there? Right now, if you think about it, what are the things you'd like to overcome, surmount, defeat in your life? We're going to look at that. Um, because if you think about this, this, this is the section of scripture that comes right after what was last week, which we talked about the, spirit, the battle within, right, between the, the, the nature, the spiritual nature, and the uh, worldly nature, the fleshly nature. So guess what this might have something to do with? Overcoming in that battle. Because we talked about that, the war last week that rages within between our spiritual nature, our true nature, what God intended us to be, and the sin nature. You know, and that truly who we are and what God designed us to be in our masterpiece role is the spiritual nature. Well, we are more than conquerors in this arena, and we're going to take a look at that. So take a look at Romans 1, and it starts off, remember what we talked about last week, if you were here, as far as that battle goes between the flesh and the spirit. And in Romans uh, 8 and verse 1, here's where we pick up. Really big scripture. I'd memorize this if I were you, because this this. This is a healing scripture. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. We've been reading about this. I'm telling you, how many, we've felt condemnation, haven't we? Sometimes we think that's useful. I'm telling you, it's not. Shame doesn't do anything for you. I don't care. You know, a lot of times in our noise in our head, we have this idea that we can, you, know, you ever have sh- um, shaming talk in your head? Har- it's hard, harsh, critical thinking, shaming talk. Now, somehow we think that that's useful. I'm telling you, there is nothing helpful about that. Shame is one of the most destructive things that there are. It will not get you healing. Why is there now no condemnation? What is the point of grace? It's because Christ Jesus paid the price. And yeah, we're not talking about the fact that no condemnation, that we're in denial about the sin. That's not what we're talking about. Now that's different. That's minimizing, dismissing, ignoring reality. That's not not what we're talking about. We're talking about the fact of acknowledging the shortcomings that we have. Acknowledging how awful it is. It's not like it's not awful about whatever that is that, you know, that we're dealing with. We're not pretending. We're not putting a bow on anything here. You know, it's, that's, there's no, it's not going to get you anywhere either. You know, you know, here's my out of control sexual behavior. Here was my adultery. Oh, let's just put a bow on that. And it's no big deal. That's not what we're talking about. The fact is, is where the shame goes away is in the fact that Jesus Christ and his blood washed us, cleansed us from all unrighteousness. So then therefore, where we go from there has nothing to do with whether we're righteous or not because we are loved, we are righteous before God the way that we are. So then, then, guess what motivates us forward is what we talked about last week, is the fact that There is freedom in making changes. There's healing in making changes. It's not because God's going to like us anymore. It's not because we're more righteous. It's not for for acceptance sake. 
There's just healing and freedom in making the changes. We're free to make them. Okay, so let's continue with this. So we get, we get this. Um, in verse 2, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law may be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the nature desires, but those that live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So part of this is, as far as focus goes, and we're going to continue reading, is that it's where we're setting our minds, because that's where healing goes. The healing is not in trying to beat the sin. Part of it is, you've got to get to the root of this as far as where for the healing goes, where are we setting our minds? And part of that is, where, what are we pulling in? What are we feeding on? What, you know, as far as, um, that's, that's the key to healing here. You can't, you can't abstain from something you don't want and just willpower it out and make it happen. You know? It takes time to change the things that we focus on and the things that we feed on. We can feed on things that bring us down you know, or we can set our hearts and our minds on, on, on God and on spiritual things through many avenues, and, and we've talk, we talk about those quite a bit, whether it's prayer, whether it's reading the Bible, whether it's being around people that can be there, safe people that can be there and help you to grow and to heal where you're hearing love and truth, you know, instead of, instead of lies and the condemnation and the shame. Let's go to verse 15. It says, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. That's when we got born again and got Holy Spirit. But you received the spirit of sonship. And that by him should be whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Abba means daddy. So it's saying that part of this, there's a big element of this that helps in our healing by the fact that we have Holy Spirit when we're born again of God. We have God's nature, his spirit within us. We belong to God. So with that, that helps us to remember who we are in God. And then it says that in that, that we connect with being a son of God, that we can cry, Daddy. God wants us to relationship that we can say, Daddy. Think about that. Think about what that means to be able to be safe enough to go, you're my daddy. That's the will of God as far as the relationship that we have with him. It says the spirit, it should be itself, um, and King James is a little clearer, but the spirit itself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we might also share in his glory. And then it says, in verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Now this is talking about, uh, Lindsay had said something about life being hard. Part of this is really getting the reality that life is hard. 
It really is. It's just, and most of, you know, honestly, I spent most of my life kind of pretending it wasn't, which wasn't helpful, wasn't healing, you know, putting a big smiley face on everything um, and stayed more in bondage that way. But it's, sometimes it's just like, oh, don't, I mean, I felt that way. God, this is like, just get me out of here. Can you send Jesus back so we're gone? Like, you know, how much more of this can I take? So it's, there is a sense at times of that it can be heavy. It says, but there are times when we need the hope. We need to know just to, you know, to keep us going. It, it's not like the, the eternal life is going to look like this. You know, that God's got a plan that it's not like for all eternity we're going to be slugging it out like this, you know. And there are just times when we need that peace. It says in verse 19, the creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. You know the creation is looking forward to the hope? Like all of, it's bizarre, but I'm telling you, the earth and the, you know, and, and the tree, you know, nature is excited about, you know, in a sense, it's, it's obviously there's some, it's sort of figurative, but it's, um, and, but what it is, is the fact that the creation wasn't me- meant to be f- messed up either. We see things in the world physically, like look at storms and look at hurricanes and tornadoes. This is not like God's will. There's something wrong there, you know. This is not like a perfect creation that God made. So we see the devils messing with creation. God made this perfect creation, and the devil, now that he owns it, as it talks about in the in the Bible that he's the God of this world right now. So it's like you're taking something perfect and fabulous and messing and doing some really dark, nasty things like what just happened in Japan. And what the heck? You know that God's doing that, so everybody go, hmm, where's your God now? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's sick, man. It's just sick. This is what it's saying about the creation wants to go back to what God designed it to be. The creation wants to be back you know, like, and there's like a, a sense, you know, of, of what God originally designed it to be. It says, and here we go, it says, for the creation was not subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation will be liberated from the bondage of decay, which is what we're dealing with right now, and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption, for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is not seen is no hope at all. Or, sorry, that is seen, sorry, is no hope at all. Who hopes for what is already what he already has. But we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So you see that, you know, this is not God's design and its original perfection. And so we are having that, oh, I just want to be back to how it's supposed to be and not have to deal with all the crap, right? And the creation's feeling that way. And that's what the hope is. Now the hope, the reason that they call the future kingdom and what God's promised is hope is because we can't have it like right now you know, it's, it's different from other things. Like, you can pray for healing and have it now. You can pray for, you know, you know it, or at least in God's timing, there's, you know, certain things. But the hope of what's to come is something that we kind of, it really is just hope. 
Because part of this is, do we know that there's going to be a life after this? Not really. We're just hoping. No, the truth is, it's just going, I hope when I die there's something after this. You know, how do I know? Do you know? It, it, it's kind of being more in reality about the fact that I hope this Bible's true, you know? Um, anyway. So in verse 26, the same way the Spirit helps our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit itself, that himself is supposed to be itself again, the Spirit itself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he that searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes with the saints in accordance with God's will. This is another thing, too, because of... Holy Spirit, the gift that we've been given, and God gave us the nine manifestations or evidences of that Spirit. And one of them is to pray in the Spirit, which is speaking in tongues. There's a lot of times that when I'm at my last, you know, row or strand or whatever, it's just like, it just, and you just don't even know what to pray for, you know, when you're just like, ugh. So that's what God gave speaking in tongues for, that you can, inter- that God will give you the words to speak when you don't even know what to ask for it anymore. You know, and that there's a great comfort and peace in that. In verse 28, I love that, okay, this section, this is crazy. You just probably want to memorize the whole thing. And then in verse 28 says, and we know, I, th- I believe this, oh my. I believe this verse. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in other people's lives. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I'm telling you, we need to just keep coming back to believing that. Like, there might be a time that we're not seeing things the the way that we'd like to see them, or not in the timing, or not, you know... It's not looking that way, but it's just, it helped me so much. I'm telling you, this year with, this is a rough year, but I kept seeing God's deliverance and kept seeing God bring me through because there's rough times in life. It's not like you get a Christian and all of a sudden it's a nice bed of roses. You know, life still happens in not attractive, appealing ways, you know, and the thing is, is I just, it helped my faith so much because it was scary when I had cancer, it was. It was just like, <gasps> you know, I don't want to deal. I mean, the truth was I just didn't want to deal. I wanted it to just be like, I don't want to think about this. I don't want to have, why do I even have to deal with it? I wished it would just go away. I don't want this to be my reality. But I'm just, but it helped my heart so much to keep coming back to, God, I know you love me. I know you want good for me. That's a faith builder to just keep coming back to, I really believe that, God, you want what's good for me. Helps, helps so much in softening my heart, and it helped build my faith in a time when it was rough, you know. Um, and then it says in verse 29, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestinated, he also called, and those he called, he also justified, and those he justified, he also glorified. Now, we kind of have a belief. You know, I know the different churches teach different things, and, and that's fine. Well, I guess we'll find out one day. But, um, you know, but we have a, we're, we're more in the church of the, um, there's a book called um, 
God is uh, God of the possible. And so what it is, it's the sense that God can foreknow things by predicting how patterns go, but that doesn't mean that he controls the outcome. I think it's biblical. I think that if you look at many situations in the Bible where God said something to people like, this is going to happen, and then the people were like, eh, eh, you know, and God's like, oh, okay, well, we'll do a different, you know, you look at Jonah, you know, and Nineveh, you know, just like that's a really classic example. Jonah, you know, going, God says, you know, he's going to blah, 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 and then they repent, and God forgives them, and then Jonah gets all mad about it. You know, like, I know you're forgiving. Why'd you have to do that again? But, um, but so I really see the, the thing that it's like God, there's a difference between God predicting kind of based on reasonable, you know, for me, it helps me to think about parents being able to predict what their children are going to be able to do. You know, he's always going to go for the for the fire truck, you know, when he's playing, or you're, you know, things like that, or you know when you turn your back, he's, you know, they're going to do this, or, and so I think that's, that's in a small scale, so I think that's how God makes predictions on things, which is different from God controlling things. So, anyway, um, in verse 31, what shall we say in response to this? I love this too. If God is for us, who can be against us? you got God, guys, on your side. I'm telling you, it doesn't get any bigger. Who, whether, what is it? What, what is it? Whether it's a person, whether it's something else, whether it's one of the things that you have to overcome that's against you right now. God is bigger. If God is for you, I'm telling you, God's like, poof. You know, Satan. Satan's powerful. But you know what, God, spirits or whatever, God's like, I just can crush you like a flea. Like, like squish, splat, you know. (laughs) I'm telling you, the thing is, is like, if God be for us, who could be God? There's no comparison in power or in ability or in whatever. And I'm telling you, God is for us. That's where we're conquerors. It's not in you and me and our flesh or any of that. It's in God and how big God is. God is big enough. I don't care what it is. God is big enough. It says, he, now, look, look at this. In verse 32. Again, gosh, this is stuff to memorize all of this. In verse 32. It's important. If you guys don't memorize scripture, try it. It's life changing Because there are times that are difficult, and these verses where you can just go, I can't tell you how much comfort it brings me that these ver- I have the I have volumes of scripture in my brain that help me at times, you know, like if God be for me, you know, for us, who could be against us? Or this one right here, I love this. It says, "He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things, guys?" If God is not holding back the thing that meant more to him than anything else on the earth, his only begotten son, if he was not holding that back from you, why is he going to hold something you need right now from you? Why would he pull back from that? Why would he say, I'm not going to do that for you? God's even telling you to think about this, to reason this. Why is God going to withhold from your need? 
What would, he, what would it be that he wouldn't want to do for you if he was willing to give his only son for you? Why would he get stingy now? That's powerful, guys. One of the other things that I haven't really talked about a whole lot um, This year's been a rough year. For um, over two years now, we've been struggling with the whole mortgage crisis and our house being underwater, and we got in a really bad situation because not not really listening to God or seeking God out a lot. And um, so we've been in a jam for six years on our house and not having any, not being able to sell it, just totally painted in a corner. Um... just a couple weeks ago I thought we were going to lose our house and so we've been this has been a heavy weight for like you know oh six years pretty much you know but it's been especially heavy for the last two and a half years I would say and it's been hard I'm telling you it's just sort of like I've been I sure didn't feel deserving of God to help me because I screwed it up to begin with you know, it's not like it's not my fault. You know, it's just sort of like a lot of stupidity, a lot of not really thinking things through, a lot of not seeking God, and a lot of arrogance on my part because I've done a lot of real estate stuff before. So I have to say I was really arrogant and not seeking God. Like, oh, I knew everything about real estate, you know. Just really got my ego in, in the mix a lot. Uh, so I felt pretty stupid and repented a lot about my heart and the whole thing to get into the house to begin with. And... Um, and just feeling really dumb, you know, like, man, I just screwed this up really bad. Now it was going to get really, really bad. And so two weeks ago, we got a notice. It looked like any day now they were going to kick us out of our home. Um, so it was looking and, and to me, I'm like, I, I sent my heart to go, you know what? That would be, it would be awful. It would feel really, really awful. But, you know, it, even if that happened, God's still going to take care of me. Like, my whole life and my future are not dependent upon this, and my happiness and joy with God is not dependent upon this, or in my life. My life is awesome. Whether that house, we love that house. I feel like I'm growing more in learning how to just come to God with humility and not treat God like a genie in a bottle, but just sort of like to come to him humbly and just go, I want it. I want my heart to be open, Lord. I'm going to, and honestly, help me just say I'm going to love you anyway. Like, and, I, and to know that God loves me and not to interpret, well, if we don't stay here, then God doesn't really love me and blah, blah, blah. You know, just going, you know, but to just be seeking God out in this place. And so, believe it or not, last week, I'm still in shock. Now, mind you, we haven't signed off, so it's going to be this week, but um, both of our loans... Uh, made deals with us this week. I'm telling you, this lives for me, guys. This just so lives in my heart. It's been rough. This is, I'm telling you, be, living in this for whatever the last six years has not been easy to do and not knowing where it was going to go. Um, but I really believe that in everything, it's that concept of just coming before the Lord in, in things and being patient and not putting God in a box. Um, Okay. He who did not spare his own son, 
but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with us, graciously give us all things? You know, he gave his only begotten son. Why wouldn't he want to help us? And honestly, I felt stupid about it. Felt really stupid, materialistic, et cetera. Like, really, you know, it just seems shallow to even ask. Like, it's not like we're starving, you know. It, and I had a lot of, you know, I just was like, but I just really get God's goodness and what Michelle's prophecy about God asks, offer, you know, you, you're, you want to, bucket and he gives you an ocean or something right like that's what I feel right now you know is that I really believe that that's where God is and that's where God lives it says in verse 33 who will bring any any charge against those whom God has chosen it is God who justifies who is he that condemns Christ and this I believe this is supposed to have a question mark who is he that condemns Christ Jesus who died yeah why would he do that more than that, who was raised to life and is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now, because I'm telling you, how many loves have you been afraid of losing in your life? How much has that affected us of, one, you know, of having love that's conditional where we're like, but this, this healed me so big because it's the only time I ever experienced a love that would never, ever go away. And I'm telling you, my life changed the instant that I got that God loved me and, and that that love would never leave. I never knew anything like that. And it says, um, in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecutions, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. In verse 37, no! No! That's, that whole thing was a joke, wasn't that funny? I mean, God wrote a joke in there. I think that's hilarious. So here's what, here's what God's saying. God's going... Who's going to separate you? This, 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 and this. Is that going to separate you? And then he goes, you're like sheep led for the slaughter. And then it's like, no! No, that's ridiculous. Why, why thinking that? What, that is not how God looks at you. God is not looking at you like that. Sheep, all day long. <laughs> we face death. That's the will of God for me. That's what God wants. That's what you want, Lord. Is that really your will for me to suffer? And God's will is not for you to be beaten down and your life a mess and you're bottomed out. There is nothing, nothing too big that God cannot help you to surmount, defeat, overcome. In all these things, I don't care what it is, you are more than a conqueror, it says. Not just a conqueror. That would be kind of great. William Wallace, you know, not just a conqueror, but more than a conqueror, it says. Not by your own flesh, not by your own ability, through him who loved us. Come on, it's you and God. Just remember that, you know, when you're going someplace or doing something, it's you and God. It's not just you. You know, God is, God is there and willing and willing to be by your side in all of those things. You don't have to go it alone. It says, 
more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the presence, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. 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 That's the truth. I don't care what it is. There is nothing. That love is so enduring. You can't beat it off. There's nothing you could do. You can't mess it up. You can't screw it up. Nothing else can take it away. We need that. I'm desperate for that. That love is real and true and deep. That's the will of God for you and for me. Heavenly Father, I, um, I, feel, I feel so madly blessed and um, so undeserving for sure. Um, I have seen your healing. I've seen it over and over and over in my life. I've seen it so much to a place that I've never not seen your love prevail. God, you are always willing to fight for us. You're always willing to be there for us. God, you, you have made my life into things that I, are so beyond anything that I could have possibly dreamed in my wildest dreams as far as your healing and deliverance. And I, you've just given me a life that I love, that I love waking up in every morning and having life with you and knowing you. I feel so thankful for your healing and deliverance. I pray right now for everybody here that they, God, I just pray for everyone to taste you more, where just that they can experience you and experience your presence in a way that's more real and vivid than anything that they've ever known before. God, that people, that everyone here can taste what it is to be more than a conqueror and to know that they don't have to go it alone. God, that you can, that they can invite you into parts of their lives, that we can all do that. Any place that we ask you to be in our lives and want you in, that there's healing and change and deliverance. God, I also uh, ask you, too, to bless the offering, you know, because you're faithful in that, and that this is an area, too, that you can be there for us in our finances, because, you know, this economy is rough, and it's taken a toll on a lot of people, but you're not limited by that. You're not limited by what's going on in our nation right now, um, but that you can provide for everyone, and that, and that you have provided a way that we can, that we can walk in faith by giving. And so, God, I just ask you to bless this offering and to multiply back to those that give. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.